0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. New details tonight on the horrific mass shooting at a Texas elementary school, as families are preparing funerals for the 21 lives lost. And senators on Capitol Hill have started negotiations about new gun laws. Is it possible for the two parties to reach middle ground?
1: But the
2: fact that there is a genuine effort for conversation may lead to something positive.
0: A graphic designer says she's been harassed and is even feared for her life after challenging a state law that would compel her speech. Next up, the Supreme Court. The CDC confirms more cases of monkeypox in the U.S. There are now nine cases in seven states, including California, Florida and New York. Currently, the cases reported in the United States are within gay by sex- other men who have sex with men. What's our China strategy? Secretary of State Antony Blinken today makes a long-awaited speech on the administration's China policy. But some important questions remain unanswered. Texas officials today spoke at a news conference to fill in details about the police response to the devastating mass shooting. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill today, a bipartisan group is working to find middle ground on new gun laws. Senate Leader Chuck Schumer vowed to force a vote on gun control bill in the near future. NTD's Melina Weiskopf has the details.
3: Families tonight continue mourning the lives of the 19 children and two adults who were murdered at a Texas elementary school. As the investigation is unfolding, Texas officials today revealed new details.
4: He walked in unrestructed initially. So from the grandmother's house to the bar
5: ditch, to the school, into the school. He was not confronted by anybody.
3: The officer said there was no armed officer available on campus and that the school door was unlocked, but they are still investigating why it was unlocked.
5: The the majority of the gunfire was in the beginning, in the beginning. I say numerous, more than 25, I mean it was a, a lot
6: of gunfire in the beginning.
3: And as families are preparing funerals for loved ones, there's a renewed call on Capitol Hill to negotiate new gun laws.
7: And these families, my colleagues, don't want thoughts and prayers. They want their elected leaders to respond to their suffering.
3: There are a number of proposals by both Democrats and Republicans that are meant to prevent violent cases like this one in Texas. But so far, no proposals have been negotiated successfully. Now, senators are reviving talks to find a middle ground on gun laws that both parties could support.
2: But the fact that there is a genuine effort for conversation may lead to something positive. I'm keeping an open mind. I'm, I'm reading some Republican bills that uh, had been rejected before and saying, well, is there a germ of possibility here?
3: A bipartisan group met today to sort out how they'll move forward on these negotiations. There are two main proposals that the senators are looking at. One is expanding background checks for gun buyers.
7: Even though it hasn't happened in too long a time, we feel an obligation to give it a chance.
3: Another proposal is red flag laws. These would prevent people who are deemed to be a danger from having firearms. Variations of red flag laws are already used in 19 states, including Republican states, Florida and Indiana. And Senate leader Chuck Schumer today vowed to bring to the floor gun safety legislation once the Senate comes back from the recess next month, but he didn't specify which piece of legislation he would bring to the floor, whether that be expanded background checks, red flag laws, or some other form of gun control legislation. And while that bipartisan group has revived those negotiation talks, it's questionable, especially under this new pressing deadline, if they could reach a deal that could garner the 60 votes needed to pass the Senate. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News.
0: And the Uvalde community, including the families of the shooting victims, are demanding answers. They want to know why law enforcement took so long to stop the gunmen. NTD's Grace Coulter has the details.
4: According to the information I have, he went in at 11.40.
0: Texas officials
8: said this afternoon that local police entered Robb Elementary School four minutes after the gunman and then withdrew after multiple gunshots were fired at them. But it wasn't until one hour later that a Border Patrol tactical team rushed the building and shot the suspects dead. Heartbroken family and community members are seeking answers. They want to know why officers didn't re-enter the building sooner and rush the classroom. But today, no answers were given. Officials say they do not yet have enough information. A distressing video taken during the shooting captured the harrowing pleas of parents and other onlookers begging officers to go inside and protect the kids. One officer can be seen physically restraining an onlooker, others preventing bystanders from entering the school. Javier Caziers, whose daughter died in the attack, told the Associated Press he was among those outside the school. He said he raised the idea of charging into the school with several other bystanders since he said the cops aren't doing anything like they are supposed to. He told the outlet that more could have been done and said police were unprepared and should have entered the school sooner.
7: Every minute, every second counts.
8: Stephen Rogers is a retired New Jersey police lieutenant who was part of the National Joint Terrorism Task Force. He told NTD that while he commends the officers' brave actions, he finds the time delay both disturbing and troubling.
7: All my years in law enforcement, we were always trained uh, that the police officers are trained to go into and toward the uh, suspects. and and not wait, because if you wait, uh, you're ending up seeing more of a tragedy than what it could have been. Now, certainly, I'm not gonna accuse anyone of not doing their job. I I think they did their job to the best of their ability, but somewhere along the line, uh, something fell apart, and uh, I believe that maybe they have to do a little bit more, or maybe much more training with regard to a rapid response uh, in an active shooter situation like this.
8: Rogers says questions need to be answered so law enforcement can learn from any mistakes that may have happened. An investigation to uncover what exactly took place is currently underway. NTD will keep you updated as more details emerge.
0: Grace Coulter, NTD News. In just 10 days, two mass shootings have taken the lives of innocent victims and shaken communities. President Joe Biden calls for common sense gun laws. But is that the solution? NTD's Arlene Richards explores the debates about stricter gun laws and some of the deeper issues behind the mass shootings.
9: Two mass shootings, two different states, one with strict gun laws, the other not so strict. Who's right? Who's wrong? President Joe Biden urges stricter gun laws across the nation.
7: As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we gonna stand up to the gun lobby? I spent my career as a senator and a vice president working to pass common-sense gun laws. We can and won't prevent every tragedy, but we know they work and have positive impact.
9: Stephen Wilford, spokesperson for Gun Owners of America, doesn't agree.
10: That's not the solution at all. As a matter of fact, that just makes it worse because then there's no one to respond to it. Well, we all know, uh, gun bans don't work. Uh, criminals get guns.
9: He says putting guns in the hands of the good guys and women is the solution, and he has firsthand experience.
10: In Sutherland Springs, Texas, the guy started shooting up and killing people in the church. I grabbed my own AR-15 out of my safe, and I ran across the street and I engaged a shooter. And my gun, or the, the gun in the hands of a good guy or woman, is never the problem, it may be the solution.
9: Del Wilbur, a former intelligence officer, agrees, but says gun owners have to be responsible. You
5: should, you know, go through some type of, of training and licensing process.
9: Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence advocates for stricter gun laws. Its website says that states with stronger gun laws have lower gun death rates. The organization tracks gun legislation in 50 states and compares the data to the most recent gun death rates released by the CDC. However, the Bay Area News Group analyzed the data from 2015 to 2019 and found that nearly two-thirds of gun deaths were suicides and about one-third were homicides, and noted that there are a wide range of gun death rates among the states with weak and strict gun laws. It states that a similar picture emerged when looking just at mass shootings. In this NBC News live stream, Governor Greg Abbott said...
5: We as a state, we as a society, need to do a better job with mental health. Anybody who shoots somebody else has a mental health challenge.
9: A 2015 study published in Behavioral Sciences and the Law found that there is a process that unstable people go through before changing their identities to model themselves after a violent aggressor. The authors found several warning signs, including threat warning behavior, or communicating to a third party the intent to do harm to a target, and fixation behavior, which is a preoccupation with a person or a cause. Wilbur says he's no psychologist, but he has seen a lot in his career.
5: Now, I think we need to change our culture. Right now, with this, uh, you know, the way history is being taught in in our schools, Children are, are exposed to, to uh, such negativity about our own country. America, to, to quote Ronald Reagan, is, is the last beacon of hope in, in the world, you know. It's that shining light on a hill, and it, it truly is in spite of all of our faults and shortcomings, you know. So kids aren't being taught that, really. They're, they're being-
9: Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: The Senate Judiciary Committee met on Wednesday to consider President Biden's nomination to head the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. A tense exchange occurred between a senator and the nominee over the definition of assault weapon. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more.
2: President Biden's pick for ATF director Stephen Dettelbach was hesitant to answer questions about which weapons fall into the assault weapon category. Biden is decrying current gun laws after recent mass shootings. He says there are reform options that don't negate the Second Amendment, which he says is not absolute. Senator Tom Cotton asked Dettelbach about his 2018 campaign for Attorney General of Ohio when he called for a ban on so-called assault weapons. Cotton asked him to define what an assault weapon is. It would only be for a legislative body, whether it was the Ohio legislature or the Congress, it would only be for a legislative body to do that work. And I acknowledge that would be a difficult task to define assault weapons. The senator asked how that was possible. So, so you're running for public office and you called for a ban on assault weapons, but you don't have a definition for assault weapons? Dettelbach admitted that although he called for the ban, he hasn't gone through the process of defining the term. I acknowledge that's a difficult task, but it would be for this body to do, not for me. Cotton continued to press Dettelbach and asked why it's so hard to define assault weapons. Well, I, I think, Senator, what I, what I told you, which is that it is, you don't you don't want it to be So narrow as to be meaningless, and you don't want it to be so broad as to uh, infringe on the rights of law-abiding Americans unnecessarily. Cotton says it's a term used by politicians and lawyers in Washington. I think it's very telling that you're nominated to lead the ATF, and and you don't have a definition of assault weapon. And the point is that there is really no such thing as a category of weapons known as assault weapons. There are rifles, there are shotguns, there are pistols. They have properties. They have features. Um, but there is no such thing as a category of assault weapons. Um, In September last year, President Biden was forced to withdraw his first nomination for ATF director David Chipman after he proved too controversial even among Democrats. Chipman also called for bans on assault weapons and answered in a similar way to Dettelbach when asked to define them. To be confirmed, Dettelbach will need to prove more popular with several moderate Democrats than Biden's previous nominee. Being evenly divided, a single defection in the Senate will cause Dettelbach's nomination to fail. In the absence of a Senate-confirmed ATF head, the agency is run by a non-confirmed acting director. During the hearing, Dettelbach vowed to never let politics in any way influence his action as ATF director. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: Who should be able to control the content of your speech? Here in America, should artists be protected by the First Amendment? Is it ever appropriate for the government to decide what you say? One small business owner in Colorado had to confront these questions after she encountered a state law that says it can force her to communicate certain messages in her work against her will. Lori Smith is challenging that law with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Earlier today, I spoke with Lori and her attorney, Jake Warner. Lori and Jake, welcome to our show. Thanks for coming on.
11: Thank you for having us.
12: Thanks for having us.
0: Laurie, you say your life took a sharp turn six years ago. Could you tell us what happened?
11: Yes, well, about 10 years ago, I started my business, 303 Creative, because I wanted to design and create for things that I was passionate about, things near and dear to my heart that were consistent with my faith. And I was really excited and looking forward to designing for weddings, but that enthusiasm was quickly met with concern as I looked around at the state of Colorado and the way that they were treating other people of faith,
0: punishing them, banishing them from the industry altogether. And you were asked to write a message for your business. What was that message?
11: Well, as a Christian designer, um, I've always wanted to tell stories of marriage through God's lens, and that's a lens that says that marriage is between a man and a woman. And the state of Colorado is forcing me to set aside my deeply held beliefs to communicate a message, promote a message contrary to that. And, uh, you know, I, I work with all people, I always have. And I've worked with people from the LGBT community. It's never about the individual that's requesting a message. It's always about the message I'm being asked to promote and celebrate that determines whether or not I can design a project.
0: And you say you've had threats and even feared for your life and the lives of your clients after declining one of these uh, projects. What's that been like? This has
11: been a roller coaster, a roller coaster that has been going now for five and a half years. And while I have received quite a bit of support, um, I never thought that standing to protect my rights would yield in such vile, hate filled responses. I received phone calls, um, emails, messages through my website, snail mail, uh, just about every outlet I've received some sort of threat of some kind.
0: And, Jake, Laurie started challenging this Colorado law many years ago. What's the latest update?
12: We appealed up to the U.S. Supreme Court Uh, a few months ago. A lower court ruled that the government could force Lori to express messages that she doesn't agree with. Um, And what's at stake here is the right of every American to say what they believe without fear, of government punishment. And we're thankful that the U.S. Supreme Court has decided to hear Lori's case. We expect oral arguments to be held later this fall. And it's a critical case for all Americans. The government should not force anyone to express messages that go against their deepest belief. And the principle that would protect Lori in this case would protect even those who disagree with her on life's biggest issues. For example, we don't think the government should force a web designer who identifies as LGBT to be forced to create websites celebrating Catholic views of marriage. Nor do we think the government should force the New York Times to uh, publish pro-Trump advertisements. The free speech rights of all Americans are at stake, and a win for Lori is truly a win for everyone.
0: Laurie Smith and Jake Warner, thank you for joining us. Thank Thank you. you. A lower court last year ruled two to one that Colorado had an interest in protecting members of marginalized groups. But the dissenting opinion on this panel, in this case, it called the ruling staggering and unprecedented. It said the Constitution protects Laurie from the government telling her what to say. And in health news, the CDC says they've identified nine monkeypox cases in the U.S. as of Wednesday. They are in seven different states. All cases are among men who have sex with other men. Here are the details.
13: The CDC said Thursday they've identified nine cases of monkeypox in the following states as of Wednesday. California, Florida, Massachusetts, New York, Utah, Virginia, and Washington.
14: Currently, the cases reported in the United States are within gay, bisexual, other men who have sex with men.
13: The CDC has now issued a travel alert, advising all travelers to avoid close contact with sick people and wild animals. The agency says the risk to the public is low, but people should be aware of any unexplained rashes.
11: I want to emphasize that monkeypox is a really a skin-to-skin contact transmitted um, event. And so if you have an active lesion on, on a part of the body and that comes in contact with someone else's body, that's
14: how monkeypox is spread and transmitted.
13: The CDC official says she's not sure if monkeypox will become a major health concern in the U.S., but that they are working to contain it. The World Health Organization says more than 250 people in at least 16 countries have monkeypox. Most are in places where there's usually not an outbreak. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: The Secretary of State today made a long-awaited speech explaining the administration's China policy. What did he say and what remains missing? NTD's Iris Tao has more. Despite Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the U.S. is making clear that China remains
15: the greatest threat to world order.
2: Even as President Putin's war continues, We will remain focused on the most serious long-term challenge to the international order, and that's posed by the People's Republic of China.
15: In a Thursday speech, Secretary of State Antony Blinken articulated the Biden administration's China strategy in three words.
2: Invest, align, compete.
15: That means to invest domestically, work with allies, and outperform China in key areas. The goal is to defend global rules against China's behaviors.
2: We cannot rely on Beijing to change its trajectory. So, we will shape the strategic environment around Beijing to advance our vision for an open, inclusive international system.
15: Blinken also called out Beijing's unfair trade practices, human rights abuses, and aggressive actions in the South China Sea. That said...
4: So he was pointing these things out, but not giving any real sense or concrete uh, specifics of what you're actually going to do.
15: Grant Newsham, a senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy, says Blinken failed to outline specific actions. The
4: Chinese communists would listen to this and say, OK, and you're not that's all? You're not going to do anything? But we're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing.
15: And Blinken notably said the U.S. is not seeking a cold war with China, adding...
2: We do not seek to transform China's political system.
4: Secretary said we don't want to
15: change the Chinese communist system. Well, the
4: Chinese are sure out to change ours. And you didn't see any real sense of urgency
7: or concern.
15: The Secretary of State did not mention how the administration will handle trade disputes or whether it will lift the Trump era tariffs on China. Reporting
0: in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NPD News. A group of bipartisan senators is urging President Biden to keep Section 301 tariffs in place. To continue targeting china's unfair trade practices these lawmakers are concerned that the biden administration has publicly signaled to lift the tariffs and they say that's exactly what the chinese communist party wants the trump administration reached a phase one agreement with china in 2020 but china has failed to comply with it these senators are urging the biden administration to hold china accountable based on the agreement led by republican senator rob portman Eight other senators from both parties signed on to the letter. And coming up, New York's governor wants to raise the age limit for owning guns following recent shootings. NTD's nazarian Pazdar spoke with an assemblyman who says New York City shows that strict gun laws don't always work. And Goodfellas actor Ray Liotta dies at age 67. He was in Dominican Republic filming a new movie. Find out more in just a moment, here, on NTD News.
16: In
5: every country communism gains power, authoritarianism and death followed in its wake. Communism promises a world without suffering, and yet, in its execution, does the exact opposite. Following Lenin's death, Stalin's 29-year reign killed an estimated 60 to 66 million people. More famines and purges would occur. The very peasants that communism was supposed to benefit instead starved to death under its rule. The party dictates what is right and wrong. Mao ended up killing between 50 million and 70 million people. As an investigative journalist, I want to understand why.
0: New York's governor wants to raise the minimum age requirement for owning guns following the Texas school shooting. But some say the fact that some kids bring guns to school shows that this requirement wouldn't do much. NTD's Ariane Pazdar has the details from New York City.
16: New York Governor Kathy Hochul says she wonders how an 18-year-old can buy an AR-15, but at the same time...
14: That person's not old enough to buy a legal drink.
16: She now wants to raise the age requirement from 18 to 21. In New York City, the mayor says he wonders why so many kids under the age of 18 are in possession of guns.
1: We've recovered 20 guns in schools, 20 guns in school, in the start of the school year.
16: The school year is not over yet, but the guns found in schools are up 300 percent compared to the entire last school year before COVID. So the governor wants to raise the age limit for owning guns. At the same time, kids in New York City who can't legally own guns are owning them. I spoke with Assemblyman Mike Riley, who says raising the age limit isn't going to do much.
2: We don't enforce the laws that are on the books now. We have this, this law in New York State where uh, you know,
16: firearms you can't have before you're 18 years old. These kids are under 18 and they have firearms. So what good is the the law that we have on the books if you don't enforce it? Riley says the problem is district attorneys and lawmakers who are soft on crime. But not only that, he adds that laws are often out of touch with reality. We need to talk to the experts.
2: You know, I'm a retired lieutenant from the New York City Police Department, and I often speak about the things on paper that we have in Albany in, in our legislation. doesn't always transition to the street the way they think it will. So the problem is, we forget
16: to talk to the professionals. The mayor wants to tackle the gun problem in New York City schools by bringing in modernized metal detectors, which don't have security lines. Arian Pastar, NTD News, New York.
0: Law enforcement officers in Texas have been able to recover 70 missing children over the past month. Some of the children had been victims of sex trafficking or physical abuse. This was an operation involving multiple agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security and the Texas Department of Public Safety. The operation ran from late April to mid-May. The officers rescued the children in El Paso, Midland, Ector, and Tom Green counties in West Texas, as well as in Colorado and Mexico. Authorities say some of the children had been runaways, and many were lured away by online predators. The children they rescued were as young as 10. An official says when children feel secluded at home, some of them will go out and meet people from online without realizing these individuals are trying to harm them. Actor Ray Liotta passed away in the Dominican Republic on Wednesday night at the age of 67. He was best known for playing mobster Henry Hill in Goodfellas and baseball player Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams. Liotta was in the Dominican Republic to film a new movie called Dangerous Waters. Representatives for Leota say he died in his sleep. Leota is survived f- by a daughter, and he was engaged to be married. Leota was born in New Jersey in 1954 and was adopted out of an orphanage at six months old. The actor had his first big movie role in the 1986 movie Something Wild. That landed him a Golden Globe nomination. Actors who've worked with Leota are reacting to his death. Lorraine Bracco, who played Karen Hill in Goodfellas, tweeted that she was utterly shattered to hear this terrible news. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, the Los Angeles Sheriff is facing an investigation into deputies who apparently behave like street gangs. Witnesses testified that deputy gangs are still active But the sheriff says the hearing was orchestrated to influence the elections. And in the NBA tonight, upstart Dallas tries to stave off elimination again. NTD's Dave Martin breaks down what worked for them in game four. That and more coming up on NTD News. Los Angeles, witnesses testified that law enforcement gangs are still active in the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, but the sheriff condemned the proceeding as wildly unconstitutional and bizarre theatrics. NTD's Eileen Eng has the story.
17: During an L.A. County Civilian Oversight Commission special hearing on Tuesday, witnesses testified that deputies have formed gangs that set up work slowdowns. They claim that the department does not answer calls in a timely manner. Among other things, they allegedly discipline colleagues who fail to fall in line.
2: The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department is an organization of professionals
6: who are mostly heroes. As you'll hear, these are people who have volunteered and are committed to community safety at personal risk. Our admiration for them, for the many we've met, is genuine, and our gratitude for their service is real. But within this organization, we found a palpable fear,
2: a fear of professional retribution, career suicide.
17: The commission announced an investigation into this matter earlier this year, although there were no judges present during Tuesday's hearing. Los Angeles Sheriff Alex Villanueva was invited to the hearing, but did not attend. Witnesses say... 12 to 15 deputies are tattooed members of the Bandidos, an internal gang in East L.A. Another witness admitted to being in an internal gang known as the Gladiators when he was a deputy at the Compton Station. He told the panel he had run-ins with another gang, the Executioners, when he became the division's captain. In a tweet, Villanueva said the hearing was a scripted and well-rehearsed political stunt to influence the outcome of the election. He continued saying he was the first and only sheriff in 50 years to fire, discipline and transfer employees for misconduct and that claims of deputy gangs have been thrown out of court for lack of evidence.
0: Farmers in California are using goats as wildfire prevention by eating up as much dried grass as they can. But legislation is coming in that will make it unfeasible. One owner of a herding business tells NTD's David Lamb that the industry may drastically change.
10: These goats are peacefully grazing and it's from them naturally eating their way through dry fuel and brush that helps prevent wildfires. But based on changes to state policies, we may be seeing less of these four-legged friends deployed for services. California's Employment Development Department or EDD has recently changed its interpretation of a regulation from 20 years ago. It will influence how much farmhands must be paid for their service. And that will run certain people out of business like Andre Soares, a fourth generation sheep producer and owner of Star Creek Land Stewards. She says the EDD's new interpretation is impacting the livestock industry.
14: Very recently, the EDD has arbitrarily interpreted the regulations um, to indicate that those those employees that are coming to herd goats suddenly and no longer fit into the same wage structure that they have been approving them for decades.
10: According to her company website, shepherds are responsible for the health of their herds, setting up fencing and moving the herds. SORA SAYS HER EMPLOYEES WOULD MAKE MORE MONEY THAN SHE DOES. SHE SAID IT'S SIMPLY NOT AFFORDABLE.
14: BUT RATHER THEY SAY THAT THOSE HERDING GOATS um, NEED TO BE PAID UNDER A DIFFERENT WAGE STRUCTURE WHICH COMES OUT TO BE $170,000 PER YEAR FOR THAT ONE EMPLOYEE. THAT $170,000 PER YEAR IS FOUR TIMES THE CURRENT STRUCTURE THAT THEY'VE BEEN APPROVING THESE um, EMPLOYEES UNDER.
10: In a letter dated May 16th by Assemblyman James Gallagher, a dozen lawmakers urged the Department of Industrial Relations and the EDD to reverse the new classification between the herders. She told NTD that sheep and goats are managed the same way and often together in California, and the work to do so is the same.
14: Right now, as a result of this arbitrary interpretation by um, our bureaucracy, the EDD in California, there are employers right now who are without employees to manage their, their livestock.
10: Goats have been traditionally used to clear land and can treat landscapes where conventional machinery cannot, such as steep terrain. According to SOARS, sheep and goats in California remove about 550,000 tons of vegetation annually. She's calling on the EDD to retract their interpretation, adding that California could be entering a devastating fire season making the state's carbon climate goals counterintuitive. NTD reached out to California's EDD for comment. David Lam, NTD News, California.
0: One of the largest aircraft operators in the world is getting sued over its vaccine mandate. The prosecutor tells NTD News they're going for all the major airlines, too. NTD's Phil Zoe has the details.
1: A group of pilots and flight attendants are planning to sue all major airlines for enforcing the vaccine mandate, arguing that it violates their religious and medical rights.
5: For the unvaccinated, there have been, you know, threats, um, harassment, coercion, you know, intimidation.
1: Josh Yoder is the co-founder of U.S. Freedom Flyers. A group defending medical freedom. He's a major airline pilot himself.
5: Back in the early days of this, people were terrified. Um, they, they were they were absolutely terrified. You know, they had to choose between taking a jab they didn't want with known side effects, or perhaps against uh, their religious beliefs. I mean, they had to choose between that and, and their jobs. You know, and, and this is just unconscionable. This isn't uh, this isn't the American way.
1: The group has just filed a lawsuit in federal court against Atlas Air, one of the largest cargo carriers. But this is just the beginning. It's planning to sue a total of 18 major airlines.
8: A lot of people's lives have been ruined, and now they're standing up, and we all need to.
1: Marine Steel is a spokesperson for John Pierce Law, the firm leading the case.
8: Not only are these pilots being put in danger and flight crews being mandated to take a shot that is killing them and causing physical harm, the passengers are put in danger because we're flying with an unsafe flight crew.
1: Steele says she has spoken to hundreds of pilots and flight attendants. The evidence, she says, it's overwhelming.
8: Another one, another pilot died. Young guy in his early 30s, um, you know, two weeks after getting another booster, he he drops dead of a heart attack, never had heart problems in his entire life.
1: Steele says they'll be filing another lawsuit against United Airlines by the end of this week
5: this um, far surpasses just the aviation industry. And when we we can make examples out of these corporate giants, it's also going to have a a resounding impact around the world with other large companies who who think that they can just walk all over their employees.
1: Besides the airlines, the group is also suing the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, and the DOT, Department of Transportation. NTD News reached out to Atlas Air for comment, but did not get a response by airtime. Phil Zoe, NTD News.
0: Twitter will pay $150 million in penalties after it was accused of using people's information to help companies create targeted ads. The DOJ says that for over six years, Twitter deceptively told users it was collecting their phone numbers and email addresses for security purposes, leaving out the part about the ads. The DOJ says over 140 million people were affected and that it boosted Twitter's primary source of revenue. Out of the $3.4 billion in revenue it made in 2019, $2.99 billion came from advertising. The fine is only around 30% of Twitter's net profit for the first quarter. And now for your sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Tonight in the
6: NBA, Golden State can reclaim their one-time grip on the Western Conference again and advance to the NBA Finals with a win at home over Dallas. The Warriors, who made the Finals five straight times from 2015 to 2019 while winning three NBA titles, still lead the Mavericks 3-1 after dropping Game 4 on the road Tuesday. No NBA team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit to win. The Mavericks, meanwhile, won the last time out with their pick-and-roll dominated offense centered around Luka Doncic and his ability to exploit mismatches. The 22-year-old superstar leads all postseason players in scoring at 32 points a game. On the injury front, Golden State's Otto Porter is questionable for tonight's game with a foot injury. Andre Iguodala is out with a neck injury. And Gary Payton II is still sidelined with a broken elbow. On the ice tonight, an NHL playoff double hitter. First, the Hurricanes host the Rangers in a critical Game 5 as the series is tied at two games apiece. Carolina is undefeated in six home games this postseason, but the Rangers have a red-hot Igor Shosturkin in goal. A finalist for the Vezina Trophy given to the league's top goalie, Shosturkin was pulled twice in the last round while struggling against Pittsburgh, but he allowed just five goals in four games against Carolina while stopping 96% of the shots on goal. In the nightcap, the Battle of Alberta continues as Calgary hosts Edmonton down 3-1. The Oilers offense has been in high gear, scoring at least four goals in every game in series. Elsewhere in the league, 42-year-old Joe Thornton said he's undecided on whether to return for 25th season. Thornton was the first overall pick in the 1997 draft by the Boston Bruins. A four-time All-Star and former Hart Trophy winner, the longtime center ranks 12th all-time in scoring with 1,539 points, though the 10 he put up this year for Florida were his lowest total since his rookie season. At Roland Garros, Rafael Nadal's straight-sets win in the second round Wednesday at the French Open marked his 300th in Grand Slam play. The 35-year-old trails only Roger Federer with 369 and Novak Djokovic with 325 on the men's side, though he leads everyone with 21 Grand Slam championships. Nadal has been especially dominant at Roland Garros, winning 107 matches against just three losses. Elsewhere at the French, second-rate Daniel Medvedev won in straight sets to make the third round for the second straight year. On the women's side, American Madison Keys won in straight sets to advance. And Shelby Rogers upset Danielle Collins to make to the round of 32 as well. Elsewhere, top-ranked S. Yes Fiatik beat American Allison Risk 6-love, six 6-2 six to move to the third round. That's all for sports today. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And coming up, as Shanghai's draconian lockdown measures continue, more locals, including a number of foreign residents, starting to rebel and the uk is slapping a windfall tax on energy companies as they make record profits while energy prices are through the roof that and more in just a moment here on ntd news
10: navigating a world of economic madness you need to have the right guide What do today's decisions mean for your tomorrow? We ask why. What's the alternative? Uncover the deeper reasons and the hidden influences and highlight the real opportunities for profit. At Entity Business, we connect the dots for you. Good
13: evening.
0: Shanghai is easing its lockdown measures, but some residents are still confined to their homes even after two months stuck inside. The extended stay-at-home order now has some locals, including a number of foreigner residents, starting to rebel. Groups of them in several neighborhoods have been spotted breaking out of sealed gates to escape in the last week. Let's take a closer look.
9: (laughs) Over 100 residents gathered in their neighborhood in Shanghai's SHUWEI District over the weekend. They removed the chain sealing the courtyard's entrance on Sunday night, then walked to the neighborhood committee's office to protest lockdown measures. Despite the police force on site, residents demanded the freedom to leave their homes. The next morning, residents were able to enter and leave the area freely. <laughs> some took photos and videos celebrating their first free day since the lockdown began but the celebrations were short-lived authorities resealed the entrance not long after days later on tuesday in the same district residents from another neighborhood broke out of the barrier surrounding their community a number of italian citizens were among the group four police cars responded to the scene aiming to stop locals from leaving the area Soon after, a car from the Italian embassy also arrived on site. That's when police packed up and took off. After the officers departed, residents could go out freely. Also on Tuesday, a protest sparked in another neighborhood in the same district. Residents there, including foreigners, participated, and the neighborhood's lockdown orders were later lifted. The U.K. is imposing a windfall tax
0: on energy companies, reversing its previous decision. It's a kind of tax that's given to companies that have made large profits. The U.K.'s finance minister says this time the tax was designed in a way to try to encourage investment. NTD's Fake Quarter has more.
18: In the United Kingdom, finance minister Rashid Sunak is slapping a windfall tax on energy companies.
4: I am sympathetic. To the argument to tax those profits fairly.
18: A windfall tax is a one time tax forced onto companies who've had large profits. The UK government didn't want to do this before because it would discourage investment. But this time there are two parts.
6: But we have built into the new levy. But we have built into the new levy. But we have built into the new levy a new investment allowance similar to the super-deduction. That means,
4: that means companies will have a new and significant incentive to reinvest their profits.
18: Sunak says the tax rate will be 25 percent and it will be phased out as energy prices decline. Meanwhile, to not discourage investment, for every pound a company invests, it'll get 90 percent in tax relief.
7: It's really a political game. In front of people, they show that they are doing something, but in reality, they are doing nothing.
18: Anas Al-Haji is an independent energy market expert. Al-Haji believes companies will overspend as a result.
7: You walk into Uh, a building of an energy company and you see the red carpet all over the place those fancy plants fancy paintings fancy offices why because they know if if they have something less than that, then that profit will be taken by the government.
18: al Haji also says the tax may make the U.K. more dependent on imports. Meanwhile, Senator Elizabeth Warren is working on a windfall profits tax in the United States.
5: I think it's a little harder to do that in the United States,
2: perhaps than the U.K.
18: Tom McNulty is the president of T.J. McNulty & Company, an energy industry consultancy. McNulty says...
2: It's a very complex balance in Washington right now. There's a lot of uh, animosity across the aisle. And we have an election in November.
18: Faye Quarter, NTD News.
0: Fighting rages in the Donbass region in the eastern Ukraine. The governor of Luhansk Oblast says the situation is intense, with 90% of the region now under Russian control, and that Ukrainian troops might withdraw further. Kiev criticized the suggestion that Ukraine could give up its territory in exchange for peace, AS APPEASING NAZI GERMANY IN WORLD WAR II. NTD'S EDDIE Aitken HAS MORE.
7: ADVANCING RUSSIAN FORCES CAME CLOSER TO SURROUNDING UKRAINIAN TROOPS IN THE EAST ON THURSDAY, BRIEFLY SEIZING POSITIONS ON THE LAST HIGHWAY OUT OF A CRUCIAL PAIR OF UKRAINIAN HELD CITIES IN DONETSK BEFORE BEING BEATEN BACK. LUHANSK'S GOVERNOR CLAIMED MORE THAN 90% OF THE EASTERN PROVINCE WAS UNDER RUSSIAN OCCUPATION.
10: The
1: situation is very tense because Russians sent all their forces to storm the Luhansk region to capture the towns or take the roads under their control, but they attack from different
7: directions. He also hinted at further Ukrainian withdrawals, saying it was possible troops would leave one settlement, maybe two. We need to win the war, not the battle. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger this week suggested at the World Economic Forum in Davos that Ukraine should let Russia keep Crimea, which it annexed in 2014 in exchange for peace. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said the idea smacked of attempts to appease Nazi Germany in
16: 1938. Let me
7: remind you, it's 2022. And behind all these
1: geopolitical reasons, those who advise Ukraine to give something to Russia, great geopoliticians, do not always want to see ordinary people, ordinary Ukrainians, millions
7: of those who actually live in the territory they propose to give in exchange for the illusion of
5: peace.
7: During her visit to Bosnia-Herzegovina, British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of weaponizing hunger and holding the world to ransom by blocking vast supplies of grain which are causing global shortages and price hikes.
15: We simply cannot allow this to happen. Putin needs to remove the blockade on Ukrainian grain. We will do all with our allies and partners to get the grain out of Ukraine and supply the rest of the world.
7: Two Russian soldiers accused of war crimes in Ukraine appeared at a second trial hearing in a town in the northeast of the country. They are charged with shelling civilian infrastructure with a multiple rocket launcher and both pleaded guilty. If convicted, the servicemen could face up to 12 years in prison. Russia's foreign ministry said on Wednesday a tribunal would be set up in the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic to put the Ukrainian fighters who held out inside Mariupol's steel plant on trial. Eddie Aitken, NTD News.
0: Coming up, over 37,000 American flags are planted in Boston Common ahead of Memorial Day. They represent Massachusetts service members killed in action throughout U.S. history. Stay tuned for more after this short break. Volunteers are beginning to plant American flags for the annual Boston Common Memorial Day Flag Garden. Each flag represents a service member from Massachusetts killed in action since the Revolutionary War. NTD reporters were there Wednesday. Let's take a look.
4: Volunteers are planting over 37,000 small U.S. flags in Boston Common leading up to Memorial Day next Monday, May 30th. Flag planting began on Wednesday and will finish on Thursday. Staff Sergeant Brendan Bambury from the Army is among the volunteers. This weekend is a very special day. Uh, we're honoring all those who made the ultimate sacrifice uh, throughout our, our wars in the past. Uh, so you have a lot of surviving Gold Star families here, uh, remembering their families. Uh, we're just here to support them. The flags represent over 37,000 service members from Massachusetts who have been killed in action since the War of Independence. This is the 13th year of the flag-planting event, which is organized by the Massachusetts Military Heroes Fund. Steve Kerrigan, co-founder of the organization, spoke to NTD about what they do.
5: We are a fund that was created um, about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. We support families of uh, fallen service members who gave their lives since the September 11th terrorist attacks uh, from Massachusetts. There are 388 uh, uh, men and women who have uh, lost their lives in service. And so we support those families uh, through financial support, behavioral support, uh, programmatic support
4: volunteers helping to plant the flags shared with NGD why they are here and how they feel about volunteering for this event.
13: So I want to take part in the, the community and, and help plant flags, raise awareness for, for veterans, Memorial Day, Gold Star families, and uh, yeah, just want to donate some time to helping out the community. Really like being part of this day,
6: it's, it's, again, it's a gorgeous day to be out here and give back. If you look, just seeing the flags across the common is amazing,
1: amazing visual. I love it. It's amazing. It's a great experience. And I've never done it before. I'm having a good time, and I'm so happy to do it, and I get the opportunity to do it.
4: Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker will be joining a ceremony at the Flag Garden on Thursday. The last 388 flags will also be planted on Thursday, and they will represent the 388 Massachusetts service members killed in action since 9-11.
0: And once again, if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.